You are listening to the Canadian Immigration Podcast, Season 1, Episode 6. With Citizenship and Immigration Canada making it increasingly difficult to speak to an officer, there are a few places to turn for information that can be relied upon. The Canadian Immigration Podcast was created to fill this void by offering the latest information on Canadian law, policy, and practice. Please welcome ex-immigration officer and Canadian immigration lawyer, Mark Holthy. As he answers a wide variety of immigration questions and shares practical tips and guidance to help you along your way. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. It seems like I've been away for an eternity. I had originally intended to get these out every week, but unfortunately, I failed in that desire because of the express entry course that uh, we just recently completed, the very first one, yesterday, November the 20th. And so now I am fully engaged, back in the saddle, excited here this beautiful Saturday morning, November the 21st, to offer you Season 1, Episode 6 of the Canadian Immigration Podcast. I had spent so much time and energy focused into releasing the Express Entry course that unfortunately I just did not have the same time that I would have liked to have been able to produce uh, these podcasts. But I can tell you that after being away from them uh, for such a long period of time, I really missed it. So I am committing, and this is a social contract that I'm making with all of you listeners, that each week I will release a new podcast. And I already have an idea for the next one, and I'll share what we're going to be talking about today. Um, But for the next podcast, I'm going to invite Billy Young, um, our newly certified Canadian immigration consultant who worked within immigration for years and years, to share a little bit of her experience working as an immigration officer to offer the insights of what it's like to actually process an application in the office, the things that she liked to see, the things that she didn't, um, what it was like just a day in the life of an immigration officer. And uh, I think that's going to provide a lot of uh, wonderful insight for for all of these individuals and other um, immigration consultants and practitioners who are preparing applications. Uh, Hopefully we can get some insight on how to make ours the best that they can be. Well, today... This podcast is going to be focused on our new liberal government's immigration reforms. And in particular, I want to address them from the standpoint of the impact they're going to have on uh, prospective immigrants to Canada and foreign workers. So let's just get started right away here. Um, And actually, I will say uh, one other thing. At the end of of my... um, my little insight here that I have in terms of the Liberal government's immigration reforms, I'm also going to go through three separate questions from our listeners and try to consistently do that as well in the future. All right, let's start off here. So right at the beginning, um, obviously we've had a, a federal election, we have a new Liberal government in power, and as part of their campaigning, they made a number of promises in terms of what they were going to do to improve immigration within our country. So here are some of the statements that that were made uh, both during and after the the campaign. Um, And uh, let me just read these for you. We will make it easier for immigrants to build successful lives in Canada and contribute to economic success of all the economic success of all Canadians. Okay, well, that's a pretty lofty, uh, lofty little promise there. Uh, Then the next quote is, Immigration has always been an important part of Canada's economic growth. 
But over the past decade, Stephen Harper has turned his back on welcoming those who want to contribute to our country's success. Wow. All right. So with these statements kind of driving the ship a little bit in terms of our podcast today, what we can see from a 10,000 foot level is that the liberal government appears to want to be a whole lot more facilitative when it comes to uh, immigrants in Canada, to opening the doors, to being transparent, and much more welcoming than they give the impression, at least, that our previous conservative government was. So let's take a look at exactly what they have promised in the, in the coming years and what they've already taken action on. And I think most of you know where the first one is, and that's refugees. So in, in, on the Liberal government's website, they specifically state, and I'll provide a link to this uh, within the show notes, they state, we will renew and expand our commitment to helping resettle more refugees and deliver a refugee program that is safe, secure, and humane. Wonderful. All right, so on the ground, here's what they've done. They have uh, they've, uh, agreed to settle 25,000 Syrian refugees by the end of the year. Well, we know this is well underway. They've invested over $250 million or plan to, $100 million of which they, they plan to invest this year alone, to increase refugee processing, sponsorship, and settlement. And I think that is that target is going to be met uh, extremely quickly. If that's even a, a word, it's going to happen really fast because ultimately the biggest issue that we have is uh, it's going to cost a considerable amount of money to bring in 25,000 Syrian refugees and, uh, and everything that it entails to, to get them here to, uh, and to settle them. And so very lofty goal, without a doubt. Um, they're also going to restore the interim federal health program. So in the past, there were limitations that, uh, that were made uh, to uh, make it more difficult for uh, failed refugee claimants and others to access health ben- benefits uh, while they're in Canada. And so those are going to be restored. And uh, they also intend to appoint individuals with appropriate subject matter expertise to Canada's Immigration and Refugee Board. And I think that's a, that's a suggestion that maybe the past appointments haven't really known too much about immigration, at least haven't been uh, sufficiently knowledgeable in the, in the subject matter of those boards to properly sit on there and advise. At least that's what they're saying. So they're going to focus on getting people who actually know immigration, which is good. That's wonderful. And they're going to establish an expert human rights panel to determine designated countries of origin and provide a right to appeal uh, refugee decisions for citizens from these countries. And so in the past, individuals from these designated countries really had an extremely difficult um, time uh, obtaining refugee uh, status or designation here in Canada because of the, uh, the way that they set up these uh, countries that they were essentially deemed as being more or less safe. So that is all the changes that they're doing on the side of refugees. Now, one change they did make immediately, and this is to the benefit of all of my my fine Mexican citizen friends who are looking to immigrate to Canada and, and make Canada a home, or even those who want to visit and uh, spend some time here um, as uh, temporary residents to study, to, to work. The visa requirements... Uh, are immediately removed for Mexican citizens. And and they also have indicated that they're phasing out the visa requirements for other countries as well. At least that's what they're looking at doing. So we'll see what happens in the future. 
but uh, that's a pretty significant factor for our for our fine friends to the south here of the United States, our Mexican uh, our Mexican friends. So what a wonderful uh, a wonderful development. Now, with that being said, um, there's also going to be a significant emphasis, at least with all all throughout the platform, they've indicated there's going to be a significant emphasis on family reunification. And, and I quote once again from the Liberal Party website, we will take immediate steps to reopen Canada's doors and will make reuniting families a top priority. Well, that sounds pretty awesome because we know over the last little while for spouses, the processing times and for parents and grandparents have been astronomical, longer than they ever have been in the past. You know, we're looking to up to two years when you're sponsoring a spouse and even longer in some countries. And for fa- parents and grandparents, processing times in reality are, are up to, you know, eight to 10 years for them to go through. So first thing that they're going to be doing here is nearly doubling the budget for processing family class applications, which are great. They hope that this will then in turn reduce wait times uh, for spousal sponsorships and the parental sponsorships. They're also going to double the parent and grandparent entry um, uh, quotas from 5000 to 10000 a year, which is great. Now understand there's such a huge uptake for this that when it opens in the new year, you better have your application ready and you better have someone, uh, you know, uh, a trusted advisor in Mississauga to drop your application off in person if you're hoping to get in the queue because those those applications will be received and that quota will be filled up really within within probably a week or less, a couple days. All right. Um, and then finally, within the... Uh, the spousal sponsorship realm, they have told, they have indicated that they have the intention of removing the conditional permanent residence that has been placed on spouses. So essentially, uh, subject to some exceptions, you do not obtain a full um, unconditional permanent residence status until two years have passed. And in that time period, you have to live together. And so one of the benefits for people who are in this situation, sometimes, you know, uh, without... Um, really anticipating or uh, I'm trying to figure out the best way of describing it. Sometimes relationships just don't work out. And um, for a variety of reasons, sometimes the foreign national who comes enters into an abusive relationship and they have no idea that the person who's sponsoring them is actually abusive. And so in those circumstances, if they're sponsored, they actually have to stay with that person Um you know, at least the potential is there. They're put into a very vulnerable position because if they don't, then they could lose their permanent resident status if they're not living with that uh, that sponsor for the full two years. And like I said, there's some exceptions to this, but the liberals are looking at repealing this and removing it uh, so that permanent residence, um, you know, once you land, it's it's immediate. So that's that's a wonderful development. Um, and then another huge, huge benefit to all of you out there with dependent children who are who are starting to 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 reach the age where they graduate from high school and move on. Well, um, in the in the in the previous um, few years, the age of dependency was dropped down to nineteen, and that had a huge impact on families with children who were in university. Now, very often those those kids between the ages of you know nineteen and twenty two are still fully engaged in, in their studies. And, um, and uh, because of the changes that were made in the past by the conservative government, um, those individual children would have to qualify for immigration on their own, even though they're fully dependent on mom and dad. So we're, we're anxiously awaiting that change uh, where there's that increase in the age of dependency 
and they have indicated the liberals from 19 back to 22. So basically putting, ba- putting it back where it was before, which is a, a wonderful development. So watch out for that, and I'll let you know the moment we, we have confirmation. Okay, let's shift gears to citizenship. Now, uh, some of you may recall Bill C-24 created what some have classified as a second-class citizenship. Uh, basically, they gave uh, uh, the government the right to, to actually strip citizenship from some dual nationals uh, for, for various reasons. And so they're looking at repealing that. And if you recall as well, when it, came, when it comes to qualifying for citizenship, <clears throat> you need to obtain the four years uh, in Canada, living in Canada. Well, in the past, you could get credit for the some time that you had spent living in Canada as a, in a temporary capacity as a worker or a student um, before obtaining permanent residence. And you could accumulate that time towards ultimately obtaining um, your citizenship. And so that is also, uh, they have indicated the liberals that they will be reinstituting that. And so it allows people to qualify for citizenship a lot faster than before. So once again, a wonderful development. All right, now, you temporary foreign workers in particular, lots of people are wondering, well, what are they going to do with the temporary foreign worker program? Are they going to soften some of these harsh rules, especially when it comes to employers and the whole uh, labor market impact assessment process? Well, in all honesty, they've been quite silent with that. But what they did indicate, and once again, an emphasis on families and benefiting um, uh, the, the family class type of applications, uh, and, and even families in general and the middle class of Canada, which has been their emphasis and focus throughout their campaign, is, is that they intend to remove the $1,000 labor market impact assessment fee for caregivers who are providing uh, care to physically or mentally disabled family members. And so that's a welcome, uh, a welcome change. So they're going to remove that $1,000 processing fee. And, uh, and then finally, they're going to do a better job, at least they've indicated um, at a 10,000-foot level, a better job of regulating caregiver agencies themselves. And uh, from the website, I'll just read exactly what their, what their statement is. It says, we will also work with the provinces and territories to develop a system of regulated companies to hire caregivers on behalf of families. This will make it simpler for families to hire caregivers and protect caregivers by allowing them to change employers in the case of bad relations or abuse. And we're not quite sure how this is going to play out, but this as well could be a very, very welcome change in an industry that can be really difficult. All right. I saved the best for last, at least more or less. And, uh, and that best for last is express entry. And I think many people have been wondering, what are they going to do with express entry? I think we would all absolutely love if they removed or at least did something to allow uh, individuals who have Canadian work experience, that is maybe labor market impact assessment uh, exempt, um, uh, you know, basically from being uh, from from barriers being created to to allowing them to apply for permanent residence. So whether you're a CEO of a company or a post grad work permit uh, holder who is is working for a Canadian company without an LMIA, you don't get the 600 points, and it's extremely difficult to qualify. So I think a lot of us were hoping that you know maybe the Liberal government would rethink this, and um, uh, you know they did say in one of their campaign promises that they will make changes to the Canadian Experience class to reduce the barriers to immigration that have been imposed on international students. And uh, they haven't really clarified to a large extent what that will be. 
but we're just going to have to wait and see to the to, you know to what extent they might do this and then <coughs> uh, they've also indicated one other significant advantage uh, for applicants under the under the express entry system who have Canadian siblings and uh, they indicated that they may be giving additional points under the express entry system for for those particular applicants with Canadian siblings in Canada so we'll see how that all plays out but you can see the over you know the overarching um, uh, I guess uh, mandate you could see here is really trying to make the immigration system a whole lot more humane and if you go to the Immigration and Refugee Protection Act, some of the underlying principles include the reunification of families. And uh, some of the steps that they're making here definitely are going to benefit families who are involved within the immigration process in Canada. It's going to benefit refugee claimants and, uh, and those um, you know, individuals abroad who, who are in significantly difficult positions because of you know things that are occurring in their countries and uh, the need to 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 flee to a safe secure and and humane country and so the liberals have definitely made that a priority and it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with these 25,000 Syrian refugees that they are planning on um uh, settling in Canada very very ambitious process without a doubt so those are the categories and those are the changes and you can see how they're impacting on both immigrants and foreign workers. And uh, so if you have any questions about those things or you'd like a little bit more clarification, um, uh, just drop me a line, send me a note and uh, we can elaborate on them a little bit further. But ultimately those are the changes and we'll see how it all plays out. With respect to economic immigration, we really don't know. I seriously don't think there's a large appetite for the Liberals to make too many changes to our temporary foreign worker program. Um, on December the 1st, we're going to have monetary penalties uh, that are supposed to be um, effective, and any non-compliance of employers under the International Mobility Program or the Temporary Foreign Worker Program could be subject to fines, and they can become quite significant, anywhere from $500 to up to a million dollars in a year. So... We'll see how that plays out. But at this stage, there isn't a lot of relief we've seen from these changes for our temporary foreign workers other than those who are currently planning on uh, applying through express entry as international students. But like I said, it's, it's, these are promises and we'll see how they materialize. All right, let's jump to some listener questions. And, uh, and the first question <clears throat> came uh, through our uh, through my Holthy Tillman LLP website from Hasanova. And it's, uh, the subject is Immigration to Canada. And the message reads, I live in Azerbaijan with my family, and I am expressing a deep interest in migrating to Canada for a better life for my family. And so ultimately what she is asking is a question that I get more than any other question through my podcast, through my Facebook page, people pleading for assistance and help to determine a way where they can come to Canada to make a better life uh, for themselves and for their children. And, uh, you know, it's interesting when, when, when I do this, um, these assessments for families in these circumstances, um, the way our immigration laws have been established right now, it is extremely difficult for people to just immigrate to Canada. Now, Ultimately, if you're a family overseas, you have no connection to Canada. Right now, economic immigration drives that ship. 
And so if you are looking at opportunities for immigrating, everything flows right now through the express entry process. And, you know, as you go through, and we've spent a lot of time talking about the ins and outs, the things that help you to qualify, the things that the government emphasizes most. Obviously, language is critical. So for this family, Hazanova, um, you would have to look at the express entry program as your option. Then you'd have to go through and and see how many, um, you know, how many points you'd receive through the comprehensive ranking system. And for families in these circumstances, that's largely what I tell them to do is to assess their qualifications to see if they may be able to qualify through express entry with a point total of, of, you know, the lowest we've seen so far is 450 points to be granted an invitation to apply. Uh, The government has repeatedly told us that the sweet spot is somewhere between 350 and 450. So you'll want to, uh, to, to have patience if you're in that kind of high 300 range. It's possible that the point totals could drop down to those levels and you could be granted an invitation to apply for permanent residence. But clearly the government places significant emphasis on individuals with high human capital who have uh, really high education, you know, multiple degrees or master's or PhD, who are not, um, who are not old. So individuals that are, you know, are, are you know, in, in their late 20s are given the highest priority and the highest number of points. And most importantly, your English has to be at least at a CLB level seven if you have no connection with Canada and you're looking to apply. So those are some of the factors, um, Hasanova, that you would look at. Obviously, if you already have family in Canada, um, uh, they, in, in it's very rare circumstances where they would be able to to sponsor you these days. And so some of the provincial nominee programs may have may have some options available as well. But really, uh, economic immigration drives this ship, especially if you're trying to relocate a family. Um, One strategy as well that we often consider is if one of the children is able to go to school and study in Canada and they themselves become a permanent resident, they're then able to sponsor their parents and and grandparents and other dependents of of their parents. And if the age for for sponsorship uh, and be included as a dependent child increases to 22, then that could give more options open for families. Um, but really that's, that's what you have, uh, ahead of you, Asanova. All right. Question number two is from Sagan and, uh, the subject is express entry and work permits. And he says, hi, I would like to inquire that if I have a job offer letter supported by an LMIA by a company in uh, a supervisory position, essentially is what he's asking. Can I apply for a work permit as well as uh, express entry f- through the Federal Skilled Worker Program. Please reply me sincerely. Great question, Zach, and this is a great question. One thing that's really important to understand, and, and from what I see here, I'm assuming that Sagan is probably outside of the country, and he has an offer of employment from a company in Canada, which is supported by an LMIA. Um, whether or not that LMIA can be used to then apply for a work permit for Sagan largely depends on which kind of LMIA the company applied for. So you can really have, I guess, to a large extent, three kinds of labor market impact assessments. There's an LMIA that's just for work permits. There's one that is just for supporting an express entry application, what we traditionally call a permanent LMIA. And then there's a hybrid, one that can be used for both an LMIA and for supporting express entry. Uh, So 
really, I guess, Sagan, that's a question you would have to ask with your employer. But if your if your LMIA was uh, one used to 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 support a work permit, either um, a hybrid or or a regular work permit, then absolutely you can. Well, obviously, if it was used to support express entry, then we would assume that it's either a hybrid or a, a PLMIA only. And the company who's given you the offer will know that the best. Uh, so good luck with that, Sagan. Good luck. All right. The final question is question number three from Aruna, and it's entitled Canada Immigration. Her, mes- her message is, um, is experience in banking considered as skilled work experience? Well, this is an awesome question, Aruna. Because one of the biggest challenges people have is trying to figure out if their foreign work experience is considered to be skilled. Well, this is a pretty simple answer for me. Because all you need to do is go to my Canadian Immigration Podcast website. Uh, That's www.canadianimmigrationpodcast.com. And you will find a blog post that I wrote on September 28th entitled, Express Entry, The Secret to Finding Your Correct Knock. That's what you follow, and that will help you to determine whether your work experience would be considered skilled. And ultimately, banking experience can be anything. It can be work as a banking teller, um, and every other position that that grows from from that. If it's a bank teller position only, then that is likely a, a low skill. And I'm I'm kind of going out on a limb here. I'm assuming it is um, from from my past experience, but I haven't checked it. But ultimately, whatever experience you have, you can use that blog to guide you in determining exactly which knock code it would apply to. And therefore, uh, once you identify that, what skill level it would be. And remember, for Canadian immigration purposes, uh, when you're applying through Express Entry, you have to use the knock 2011. But if you're going through to ob- obtain a work permit and you receive an LMIA, that is based on the old 2006. So just pay attention to that. And anything that is a skill level B or higher is considered to be skilled work and eligible for express entry. And anything that is below C and D skill level is not. And it's as simple as that. All right. Well, those are the questions. Thank you so very much. Um, if you have an immigration question that you'd like to leave with me, there's a number of ways that you can do it. You can leave it in the comment section under this podcast after it's released and just leave those comments. I love them there and then other people can see too. So I, I really encourage you to do that. You can also connect with me on Facebook at the Canadian Immigration Podcast Facebook page and leave me a message there. Um, uh, you can reach me through LinkedIn and Twitter and even on my law firm website through the contact uh, section um, uh, of Holthy Tillman LLP. And I'm going to reiterate and re-encourage all of you. I want somebody to please log into my site and leave me an audio voice message that I can build into my podcast here uh, with that um, Ask an Immigration Question widget on the side panel of the websites. I have it on both um, the Canadian Immigration Podcast site as well as Holty Tillman LLP. So here's what I'm going to do. The first person that leaves me an audio uh, question that I can use in here, not only will I answer that, but I'll give them a free 30-minute uh, immigration consultation through my through my law firm. So there's the challenge to to anyone out there who will will use the um, that little widget that I have to leave a voice message for me on either of those sites. I'll give you a free 30 minute consultation um, 
to answer any immigration-related questions that you have. So there you have it. All right. Now, I did want to provide a report to all of you on my first inaugural Canadian Express Entry pilot course. And that initial course was focused on the submission of your profile. So that is um, a part of uh, a new strategy, a new process that I'm looking at to give back to people and try to make um, my legal services a little bit more affordable to people. So if I can get a whole bunch of people to take the course at one time, then I can basically teach them how to do it themselves. And uh, that was completed yesterday, uh, November the 20th. Uh, we did our last little webinar. And, um, and now over the next couple of weeks, I'm just going to be available to answer any questions that they have. But you can find more information about that course on our website. And uh, you can also watch the webinar that I did in preparation for the release of the pilot course. And it was a lot of fun. We had a really great group of people who were participating and attending the live sessions. And those who couldn't attend the live ones were able to, um, to listen to the, um, to the recorded ones. Um, we started our private Facebook group just for those uh, um, those participants in the course. And uh, yeah, we're just really, really, really excited. It worked out just wonderfully. I gained tremendous insight into the areas that really are giving people the most trouble with submitting their profiles. And that's why I wanted to do the pilot course was to gain as much insight from the people attending it so that I could modify the course uh, to make it exactly what people need and to hit the high points that are really giving them the most grief when they're trying to file their express entry profiles. So stay tuned for that um, because now that phase one is done, I'm going to be sending out an invitation for everyone to participate in phase two of the pilot, which will cover all aspects of filing your permanent resident application after you've received your ITA. So phase one was to do the initial pilot. Uh, then the pilot was uh, to do the initial um, submission of the profile. Now this is what you do once you've got an ITA and how to make sure that you don't get your application bounced after you filed it. So all the tips, strategies, everything that I know is going to be poured into that. So stay tuned for more information in the coming weeks. And... Um, yeah, I'm, uh, I just want to encourage everyone to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. If you've enjoyed it, please do. Please subscribe. I would absolutely love if you could rate it and uh, you know provide a brief review. And in all honesty, anywhere that you can provide feedback, reviews on what I'm trying to do, I love them. And whether it's good or bad, it doesn't matter to me. Um, but if people could take the time, even on my Facebook page and all those kinds of things to, to offer feedback and comments and reviews, um, it just helps to build our community and build engagement. And I thank you so much for that. Um, ultimately, when you leave reviews on iTunes, it increases the, the visibility of the show so that more people will be able to find it and participate. And then finally, don't forget to subscribe to my mailing list as well on the Canadian Immigration Podcast. And that's where you get all of the detailed information about new upcoming courses and uh, get notified of, of just about everything really associated with this new little venture that we've created. And uh, I guess that does it for our podcast today. Thank you so much for participating and being a part of it. I love this. This is so much fun. Um, if you send me questions, I'll build them in. And remember that challenge that I just left you. If you can leave a voice, uh, um, an audio message for me that I can embed here and share within my next podcast, you will get one free 30-minute consultation. All right. Thanks so much, everybody. And I look forward to future podcasts with you. 
Thank you for listening to the Canadian Immigration Podcast, your trusted source for information on Canadian law, policy, and practice. If you would like to contribute a question for future podcasts or wish to set up a legal consultation with Mark, please visit www.ht-llp.com. Yeah.